Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have another legend of a guest. It is Sean Stenning from Five Star Marine. Um, now, you can watch episode 10 with Sean uh, on our podcast. He was on an earlier episode that was more focused on, like, Sean, who he is, what he's all about, what brought him to the island, and what he's doing. Today, this podcast is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, this is for anyone out there that is trying to understand a little bit more about Thailand tourism, specifically off the coast of Phuket. We're going to be trying to focus on all the different islands around there, around here and what they give you. So maybe we'll jump over to Pang Na, Pang Na Bay, Hong Island. Um, Sean's way more fluent on what's going on on that side because he is the owner and founder of Five Star Marine, which is also our sponsor. Now, I know we're going to maybe get some hate in the comments. No, this is not some sort of bullshit sponsorship type of podcast. We legit want to talk about what's going around these islands so you can understand when you come here, some of the things you can see and do um, if you were to do a, a boat tour with Sean or any other company if you want as well. We're not trying to push that. So um, without further ado, we're going to get this started and swing it right over to Sean. We don't know what direction it's going in, so we're just going to have a little bit of fun. Okay. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, Sean, thanks a lot for coming back. Um, so we're going to, let's just jump right into it. I'm a tourist. I'm traveling. I come to Thailand. I reach out to Five Star Marine, and I want to go on a, a boat. A VI, it's a VIP private boat tour around the islands of off the coast. Now, this is off the east coast of Phuket. Um, can you just run us through like a typical day? What are the, some of the, the things, the islands we would stop at, some of the things we can do in terms of caves? Just run with that and let us know your thoughts and what you've experienced. Yeah, sure. So I think let's, let's start with the kind of concept that Phuket as an island becomes a jump-off point to all of the locations that come around us. So you, you, you're right, east coast, we've got something like 200-odd islands out there. West coast as well, now in the kind of November through May period, you've got the Surin and Similan Islands. Um, a lot of people come to Phuket with this concept that we've kind of just got two islands. It's like one is PP and one is James Bond. And they don't even know that PP is actually a, a cluster of islands. It's a group of six. And then James Bond Island is a group of 40. So they're well known because they're in movies. But, you know, there's kind of this misconception that that's all we've got when you come to Phuket and kind of... If you're looking to go with five star or even you're going to go with anyone, I'd kind of say, look, don't start with wanting to go to one of these two destinations. Reverse it up and say, what do you want to experience? You know, like a lot of people say, I want to go and see James Bond Island and I want to snorkel. Well, anyone who's been into Pangna Bay, there's nothing to see under the water. You know, it's beautiful visually above the sea. A little bit like going kind of back into Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's super murky. I mean, I, I remember once on a side note of that story, I was with a friend and we had a GoPro. And it slipped out of her hand. And we spent two hours with like, <laughs> someone had scuba gear. And it wasn't that deep. I could touch the bottom. So it was about five, seven meters. Yeah, so That's to put it into perspective. Like that whole Hong Island, Pangna Bay, you can't see anything anyways. No, and, and going back thousands of years, you could walk across that area. So that's one of the, the back stories of Pangna Bay is that it actually just used to be a... Uh, a limestone area that you could walk across. And one of the reasons it's so murky is that the, the bottom is not really like a sand. It's a, it's a thick mud, you know, like if you go into certain areas at low tides, you can see boats stuck because they're just stuck in the deep mud there if you don't know the area. So, you know, I think like reverse everything up. If you're ever coming to travel in Phuket, kind of don't give your travel agent or your tour guide. Don't tell them 
where you want to go. Tell them the other thing. It's like my experience today is I want to go and see some fish. I want to see blue water. I want to see sandy beaches or I want to go inside caves and I want to go and explore the mangroves. Like start there and then we can start looking at like where should we take you. Um, that's one of the things that really I'm trying to change the perception of about how you tour in Phuket. You know, like I talk to my guides and my team all the time and say, we're, we're not about operating tours. We're about providing experiences. So throw away today. We're going to go to James Bond and start with today. I want to do this. This is, this is what I want to experience today. And if part of that experience means that we do go to past James Bond, that's great. Or if part of that experience is we do go past Mayor Bay, that's great. But like, as we go on time and time and time, something like Gene Spawn Island becomes res- less relevant to the next generation. You know, like that was a movie that was so 70s. long ago. <laughs> yes. What is it, man? The Man with the Golden Gun? Yeah, now sometimes we get customers kind of turning up and they're like, so we're going to go to Gene Spawn Island today. They're like, who? You know, yeah. like, so now it's kind of like we're trying to teach the Phuket tour guides and the industry in Phuket, like, start to think differently. Like, and when they closed Maya Bay, like for that rejuvenation period, I think that was a really great learning period for tour operators to stop selling, like, let's go and see Leonardo DiCaprio's beach. It's like, well, let's see the entire PP. Like, let's see the full six islands, the 10 bays, the 30 snorkeling spots, the nine or 10 beautiful beaches. Like, let's expand our horizons past the easy sell. Like, the easy sell is let's go Maya Bay. That's an easy sell. Like... That's the lazy way of selling a tour. And the easy sellers, let's go see James Bond Island. Well, let, actually, I don't know. I've been out Pangna Bay thousands of times. I would tell you James Bond Island is the least impressive island in the entire Pangna Bay. Like, we have this kind of experience with our guides where we pull a boat up and you swim through a cave and you come out into a lagoon with no people. I'm like, that's 10 times more, exper- more, more fun and something that you're going to remember than, hey, I took the famous photo with James Bond sitting on my hand. You know, yeah. like, I get that. Like, we want that Instagram kind of photo. But in terms of what you're going to take home and you're going to talk about to friends later, I think it's more like, hey, I slam into this lagoon through a cave and it was like dark and we were using torches. I'm like, that's, that's cool. That's something that you can't get somewhere else. Do you guys um, collaborate with uh, Kopanyi? That it's the Muslim floating village island? Yeah, yeah. Then that's a cool place, man. Like that's, you know, in COVID that was smashed that place. So there's nothing going on there. So it's it's reopened. It's got restaurants there. But the cool part is the football pitch. You know, the floating yep. football pitch. Going there and playing a game with the locals and kicking the ball into the sea and swimming out to it. It's like. Again, for me, it's like we're trying to transform the, the tourist magnets into like what is the true authentic experience of that place, you know, like yeah. that yeah. that's my big thing is like as a traveler, like, you know, I always say James Bond, was, the film James Bond, The Man with the Golden Gun was great because it had a reason to go to Pangna Bay. It's like people wanted to go see that island. But once you get out there, it's like it becomes irrelevant. Like seeing James Bond just becomes like, I'm going to get the photo so I can post to Facebook when I get home. But everything else around it is what the real experience is. And it's the same with Maya Bay. Maya Bay is beautiful. And, you know, closing it was the best thing that they could have ever possibly done. And now banning people from actually swimming in the bay and limiting the numbers. It's all awesome. But at PP, there's probably three or four comparable beaches to Maya Bay. The only thing was it wasn't a movie filmed there, you know, and that's the big pitch that I have to people. It's like, if you're going to come and go island hopping here, it's like, okay, let's, 
let's do the bucket list. I, I walked with Leo on that beach, but let's also go and explore the area for its real but they, beauty. They need to understand as, as well, like, um, and this is for anyone listening, like realistically, what can you do in, in a one day trip? Personally, I think like Pangna Bay, Maya Bay in one day on one tour, that's, that's, it's a bit too much. You'd be, you'd be a bit rushed, right? So we do that kind of when people are short timed, you know, like you got got one day in Phuket and it's like, it's kind of like a highlights of Phuket tour, but really like Pangna Bay, like. That's a, that should be a day trip on its own. Yeah. And like, if you're here for like a month, two months, the expats are here, like we can do Pangna Bay in 13 different ways. There's so many islands out there. It's like a day trip, maybe mostly maximum five or six stops, you know, like you're going to start. People don't really realize going on about how exhausting it is. You know, it's like, I don't know, like I see a lot of expats, they turn up, they've got like 10 cases of beer and like, oh, we're going to drink a lot and have a great time. And I'm like, we come back with 10 cases because once you're on the sea, it's like, oh, I'm swimming, I'm snorkeling, I'm kayaking, I'm on a beach. It's exhausting, man. Like I got a nine-year-old and like, if we want to get him to burn energy, it's like four hours on the sea, bring him back and bang, he's knocked out in bed at nighttime. So I think like, (coughs) it's not about seeing everything. Yeah. You know, it's like trying to like customize and build an experience that you're going to remember without it being so packed with stuff that you can't really enjoy what you're doing, you know, like too much boat time kind of detracts from the experience. And then, you know, it's like, you don't want to be packed. Like this is the thing that we pitch with our company. It's kind of like, we're not going to say go here and then 30 minutes next spot. It's like, we want to go there. And when you finish that experience, like you've done as much as you want to do in that spot, then let's go to the next spot. Let's don't sit there at the start of the day and say, here's 10 places. We're going to go 10 minutes here, 15 minutes here, half an hour here, lunches, 20 minutes, rush pizza as you're running, you know, like yeah. that's not, a, I don't, I don't like to travel like that. I need a, like a little, it's meant to be relaxing. It's meant to be like experiencing it. How do you do that if you're, you're rushed from spot to spot? So yeah, and these, these places, uh, people need to understand that like on a speedboat, if you're at, let's say James Bond Island and you want to come down to Maya Bay, I mean, it's got to be at least 45 minutes on a speedboat. It's an hour and a half. Man. Okay, yeah, so there, an that's, that's an, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a big distance. And when you're on those speedboats, an hour and a half, like I'm talking straight on a speedboat, destination to destination, it's not that comfortable. So when you're out there and you're, and you're experiencing Maya Bay or Pangna, it's much easier if you're kind of doing your little, you know, 10 minutes here to 10 minutes there to 10 minutes there. You're going to have a way better experience, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think like you you bring up a good point there. I get asked a lot, you know, like what's the difference between a speedboat, a catamaran, a yacht, like, and I'm like, well, price is obviously the major factor, but it's kind of like if you're going to go and rent something like a catamaran, uh, it's a bigger investment. It can't go as far. So I always say to people is that when you're renting a boat, it's like, are you renting to go to a destination or are you going? Are you renting to enjoy the 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 ride, right? So like a catamaran is like, uh, you don't really want to go far. You're there to kind of just be on a catamaran and you're there to kind of lay back and experience it. A speedboat's about getting to beautiful destinations that may be further away. So I agree with you, like the comfort of a catamaran compared to a speedboat, sure, you're going to have a way more comfortable experience on a catamaran. But the speedboat's about being able to go to multiple locations and enjoy the beauty of the location rather than the beauty of the journey. Does that make sense? Yeah. is it possible, and we'll do a quick, we're brought to a buyer sponsor. No, I'm joking. <laughs> actually, um, it's a good time. Don't forget, can you guys, if you like and subscribe, and actually if you share this content, that's most important. It's really going to help us 
boost up in the algorithm so we can keep making content for you. So go over, smash that subscribe button. And uh, yeah, we love you for doing that. Um, the question back to it was, is there any options? Let's say we're out uh, doing Pangna Bay on the, a speedboat tour and you, I, we make like, um, we ask, hey, could you drop us off at Kopenyi and we want to stay the night and tomorrow when you're coming around, can you take us back? Is that an option you've ever been asked before? Yeah, we do that quite frequently. And like in Pangna Bay, there's this really cool uh, two floating houses, not at Panyi, it's just a little bit back. It's hidden in the mangroves. And these two floating houses, it's the coolest experience you get. Like you go, you go and do a bit of Pangna Bay, get dropped off there. And then they have their own little uh, restaurant that's on a barge. And so at nighttime, at sunset, you go sit on the barge, enjoy a nice Thai food as you're driving through the mangroves. Like oh, wow. this and is one of those unique you, experiences. You have that relationship with them so people can... Yeah, like the great, awesome. the great part I mean, is is that uh, these two floating houses, they like, don't have a website. The guy doesn't right. even have a phone number. Like, So if we want to get him, it's like we're going to drop past two days before and say, hey, got some customers who'd like to come and stay at your floating house. And it's like... Good accommodation, like for a floating house in the middle of Pangna Bay. It's it's nice, man. What it's part nice. is it in Pang? Like, are you will you get like the view of the landscape as well from yeah? Out there? And like he's got his little fishing gear on there, and he's got these little canoes. So that's you can. All. That's like something unique, you know. That's uniquely Thailand. But that's it, one of the the best things I've done was. There's nothing again. It's nothing to do with at all. You, I stayed at Kopanyi. Um, and it's just, it's the sunset and the sunrise when it comes over like those limestone cliffs, you're only going to get it those times. So that's why I recommend to a lot of people to stay at those hotels if they can, and they're not expensive. No. And again, like that's the big thing that I'm trying to change perception when you come to Thailand, that you book a destination. It's like our number one tour right now is what we call our captain's choice tour. It's got no planned destination. You just come to the pier in the morning, we kind of chat with you and say, yeah, look, what kind of things do you want to see? What would you like to experience? And then bang, off we go on that. No set itinerary. And like, that's how a boat should be. You know, like I say to people, it's like, you got to follow, you got to follow the sea. You know, today the sea wants you to go here, you know, like the tide, the wind, the direction. And so it's like, if we have to fight the sea all day, the experience is not so much fun. But it's like, if you come and say, look, we trust you. You've been, you guys are like live here. You've experienced it. You've run thousands upon thousands upon thousands of trip. Take us where you think is good. Like, let, let's do that. Like, that's the true local experience. Like, I was just in Korea not so long ago, and I was like, I want to go and experience Korean local food. Well, I'm not going to go and tell the guide where to take me, right? It's yeah. like, I go to the guide and like, take me to the coolest local food. Like, maybe I have some dietary restrictions and these are what they are, but let's go. And then off he goes. He's like, well, these are, the, these are the hidden places. These are the places that Google doesn't tell you about. These aren't the places yeah. not featured in the movies. You know, like, that's the way to experience local culture, man. It's did, like, you, did you run into Chris while you were there as well? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that dance thing he did? <laughs> uh, shout out to Chris. I don't know what the fuck that dance was. It was ridiculous, but okay. It just happened. We were, we were like in the same area on the same day. He was shooting one of his videos in the area that I was. Oh, sorry. With. Chris Parker retired working for you. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's. Okay. So that's what that's how I think like like these local experiences. It's like you know if yeah. you have a friend come in from Canada that's going to come here and say, Brendan, where should I go? What should I do? That 
that's the recommendation that's valuable, not the him coming to you and saying, hey, I'm coming and I want to go to PP, hook yeah. me up with a boat operator. It should be the other way. It's like, hey, I'm coming. What's the best places to see, the best places to eat, the best places to go? That's a better question in my view. And also, like, if you're, like, I, I do some scuba diving off CoPP, and if you're taking people out snorkeling, uh, and they say they want to go to a certain destination that they've heard of in CoPP. Well, there might be no visibility that day. So you, you, a lot of the times you got to listen to the, the captains themselves. They know where they're going to go. I have this perfect and, example, man. Like in a normal PP tour, people would like to go to Viking Cave. This is where the bird's nests are. It's a, it's a normal stop for a group tour. And sometimes we'll put this in a, an itinerary that I'm giving to a customer. And they're like, oh, we don't want to see a cave. I'm like, we're not going for the cave. We're going for the water clarity. Like at Viking Cave is the clearest water in all of PP in the right wind condition. So it's like, don't kind of like assess a situation based on what you think it's going to be. It's like, we might be going there because of the condition. We yeah. might be going there because of the, the water clarity. It's like, that's it. It's like these guides, they're out there every day, man. This is what they yeah. do. This is what they live. You know, it's like, I can't go on a, like people ask me like, do you personally drive the boat? I'm like, yeah, I've got a captain's license, but there's no way I'm going to go drive the boat. Like, I mean, these guys, guys are born and bred here. Yeah, like, yeah. how does a captain become a captain? Well, at 10, he's driving a long-tail boat around Penny Island, flying around, racing against his friends. 12, he's fishing. 14, he's fishing. 16, he's an engineer. 21, he's a captain. And so he's born and bred on the sea, man. Like, that's his life. Yeah. So it's like, I might have a license, but, you know, like, going back to, like, uh, I think, Four years ago, right, like a cruise liner was coming past PP, and to save money, this cruise liner didn't hire a Thai captain to come on. So normally like a big cruise liner would come across the sea, and when they come into Thai waters, they'd bring a Thai captain on to navigate the Thai waters, right? They were thought, oh, we'll save some money, so let's do it. So they went and they ran aground at a big boulder in PP, right? So the boat had to get evacuated, and then they had to tow the boat back to Singapore. Long story short... This boulder, every Thai captain knows, right? We know it's not on the, the, the charts. It's not on your, your finders, but we know it's there, right? If you're a captain that's been in this area, you know it. So they decided to shortcut some money and sink their boat. And it's like, well, if you had hired a Thai captain for a few thousand baht, like you would have saved yourself a whole bunch of headache and a whole bunch of money. And that's like, I'm the same thing as like, come here and go with the Thais. They know where to go. Yeah. They know what to do. They know what to experience. They know like caves that you don't know about. They know sparkling spots that you don't know about. They know hidden bays, you know, like PP's well known for Maya Bay, but in my opinion, Wong Long Bay is way better. It's like this little hidden bay. For between, snorkeling or just everything in just general? Just in, in general. No people there, beautiful beach, and you go through this little gap to come out into this huge bay, and it's like everyone goes for Maya Bay, but like Wong Long Bay is like way better, man. Yeah, on that, the whole PP side, we're, you're talking a little bit about Viking Cave. And um, actually, we did, a, we did a history of PP with uh, Pim. She's one of the owners, and uh, she's doing all the operations at PP Princess. Um, you can just check it out. Type in history of CoPP. It's more interesting information if you want to find out more about the island. But um, when you're going past Viking Cave, are they still harvesting the bird's nest over there? Yeah, the bird's nest is still there. What, are you able to share more information on, like, what is that industry, or is that kind of a let's not talk about it <laughs> subject? <laughs> you might not get banned by YouTube, but other people. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, so um, go go deal with Pim. You can, uh, yeah, the, the, the government can handle her. Um, <laughs> now, 
going over to I, I've done the Samelian. I've done yes. actually I did my advanced uh, diving at Samelian. Did it there. So where did you dive at Samelian? Uh, everything. Did the, you do Richelieu? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I did a four three night or four night live abroad. So everything. The problem with Samelian, I tell everybody, is after you go there, you're. Sorry, I was about to swear. There's nothing compared to it. Like, I've never seen, like, yeah, okay, PP is great for scuba diving and diving, but the whole Surin Island, Samilian, and Rashilla Rock, it might, it's got to be a top five in South, all of, maybe all of Southeast Asia, maybe one of the best. Um, do you guys do boat tours over Samilian so as well? Uh, it's number one dive site in Asia, oh, ranked number one. It's ridiculous. So I'm going to contest you. So now, now you're going to have to come out with us. Okay. Because Samilian's beautiful, busy. Popular, well known. I think Koha, Ko Rock, same level water clarity, but better coral and better marine life because less boats, right? Like Co now, Koha is the one is off Kolanta. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you go to Simlan, you've got about an hour forty-five, two-hour boat ride, right? You can head the complete opposite direction in for the same amount of time and go to Koha, Ko Rock, right? Mm -hmm. People contact me to go to Simulan. I love it. Simulan's great. Like we were out there a few days ago, turtles everywhere. It's amazing. It's a beautiful spot. But December through March, it's packed. There's so many people there. So generally, I try and push them and say, you should go Koha, Korok. Same experience, no people. And in my view, like Korok, let's talk coral, right? Like you go to PP, it's a lot of uh, bleached coral, dead coral. It's had some, it's had a, had a, had a, wear its and tear. Yeah. Tons of wear and tear. You go to Korok, Full color coral, some of the amazing kind of formations of it. Like, if you want to see what PP was like twenty years ago, go co rock. How, now, your your how how is his mic on, on the screen? Is it cutting his face off? Okay, we're good. Um, when when you're you're are you over at Alpo Pier? So you jump off there and you're taking the speed boats down to Koha from there. Uh, boat boat lagoons where we're going from. From boat lagoon. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So from boat lagoon to Korok's about Koha's uh, about an hour and a half on the speed boat. Yeah, though. by speed boat. And are you guys just like ripping it the whole way, like pedal to the metal? No, like uh, again for us, we've got to manage fuel, so we're we're doing maybe twenty eight knots, fifty six, fifty seven kilometers. An and hour. I guess you can you can stop at PP on the way. Yeah. So I yeah. try and build all that into it, like. But again, like if you're if you're coming to me and say I want to go Samilan, you you're already know you're up for an hour and a half, an hour forty five, two yeah. hours of boat time. Because you got to go around the whole island. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There's no, there's. I'm assuming there's not many unless you go all the way up to Kowlak. There's no jump off point but, but for even, Phuket. But right? even from Kowlak, it's an hour and a half. You know, it's it's, it's an eighty k. It's a distance yeah. away, man. It's yeah. a distance away for us. Like to go to Similan, we normally leave from uh, Saracen Bridge. Oh, so you're coming so, up and so through. So we bring the, bro gotcha. the boats to Saracen Bridge, bring the customer to Saracen Bridge, and yeah. off we go. That's the shortest and directest line to Similan. But still, you, it's boat time, man. It's a fair amount of boat time. I always say to people, it's like, Similan's a great de destination, but it's like a second, third visit to, to Phuket destination. Like, do something closer first. Go Russia Ye, go Russia Noi, go PP. Like, you can get a similar experience, but like, Again, if you're looking for that water clarity, and you you got to come up to come out with us now, like I'm gonna say, you're gonna turn to a Korok Koha con convert. Yeah, so. I, I, it's on my list, but I always thought like ah, I'll go there when I go to Lanta because I'm like, I get, it's the same thing for everyone. It's like to get to a destination, unless you're doing a whole day trip and hitting a lot of spots, and if that's just your final destination, 
an hour and a half on a speedboat direct is a long fucking time. Yeah, it is. It's a long time. Yeah, we always say to you, like, it's not a kid-friendly trip. That's a that's an yeah. adult or an adult kid kind of trip. I mean, you're out, you're probably out the door at 6 a.m. and getting back at 6. Yeah, full day. Like, yeah. yeah. Especially with Similan and Kauri. Like, with that travel time, you're thinking, I got four hours there and back. You know, best case scenario, it's... How, how far is it uh, off? Uh, I, I, you can jump off rally as well, or is it... Like, how far are we talking if you're... If anyone, because I guess this information as well, maybe people are watching this, they're in Krabby, they're in Koh now, and they want to jump off to Koh They can jump on a long tail or a speedboat as well. Like, yeah, how long so would that from take? Co- from Lanter, it's about 45 minutes. That's, it comes that's like okay. It comes not like a bad. normal PP trip, you know? PP right. is about 45 minutes from Phuket. Um, then I think from, from Rayleigh, it's not ideal, the, 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 way, the line of travel. Like, I'm always thinking about wind. From Rayleigh, in this time of year, from Rayleigh to Koha, Rock, I'm directly into the wind. So it's just going to make it kind of like this. Mm. That's why I don't mind going from, from Phuket because i got a different angle. By having a different angle, I can ride the waves differently. Um, but, you know, like we started, like, because you said R- Richelieu, and I'm like, yeah, that's great dive site. So have you done anything up in Koh Lipe? I, I did dive in Lipe. Um, did you just see the red coral? I, I, this was like five years ago and I've had too many beers since then. So <laughs> I don't know. May, no, I don't know if I, I, I might've, um, I wanted when I went down there. So the way I went down there and I know you guys are doing like, uh, tours down there. You went with Nando, I think, and yeah. we'll talk, we'll talk about that. Um, the way I went there, I flew to Langkawi. Yes. Cause I was like, ah, I can't be bothered. I don't, like I, I would love to do the Island hop the whole way down. Um, I flew to Langkawi, and then the speedboat across was okay. Then it's like uh, an hour. Um, I went diving, but the time of year, or it, actually it was the time of month. There's like um, a very special, like, uh, I can't remember the dive site. It's their best dive site, but they said the the moon, the tide was so high because of the moon. And when you get there, it's too strong, the curtain, the current. So I couldn't go. So I, they did other like little island hops there. But did you go to that main dive spot there? So that's a eight mile rock. That's where the whale sharks are and everything out there. That's and it's cool. and if you get caught in the current, like it's literally like you're no, fighting. So they they have rope it now. They 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 yeah. They're putting these cross ropes across, so the boats kind of hang off on the side, and then you pull yourself through because the current is is wicked. But the it's worth going just to see the the red the pink coral, the red coral. It's it's amazing. Yeah, Lipe is it's a gorgeous island. But I was there four years ago, and at that time you. You could, you know, when they're building that, there's a huge beach club thing there. It was pump. I didn't go in. And I'm like, it. I was, fell in love with Lipe. It honestly. was supposed to be like this, uh, like 20 years ago. What's nice about Lipe? It reminds me, it's like Co-PP without the lunatic drunks running around, and yeah. it, and it's nicer. It's like it's just more chill. It's very relaxed. You're not you're not going to be raging with buckets. Um, the sand, the it's water good, there. It's got a good vibe. The like water there is very comparable to Boracay. It's like this, like, it's the images of the water that the internet wants you to make Thailand look, think, make you think what Thailand looks like. But it actually looks like that there. Yeah, I agree. I think we've fallen in love with Kalipa, our family. We just, yeah. you know, like the last two years, I think we've been there like 10 times, you know, like. And that's, that's one of the things we've been playing with, you know, like these concepts where people kind of fly into Phuket and instead of doing day tours, don't book any hotels, just jump on board and then we're going to go and maybe we'll end up at Koh Muk one day, Koh Lanta another day, Koh Rock another day, Koh Lipe another day, like just building these kind of island hopping ideas. So you know? let's go, let's take people through the island hopping tour. 
Um, that's something I've, I've been here since 2006. It's something I've always wanted to do. So could somebody uh, like a family or whoever they want to get a package? And again, guys, I, this is not sponsorship. This is legit information that people won't get. Um, let's say we want to jump off at boat lagoon and make our way down to Colipe. Are you able to put together some sort of package that we're on the boat and we stop at these places for a night or two nights? We stay on the boat all the way to Lipe and we come all the way back up? That's, that's the funnest stuff to do. It's like you come into Phuket maybe first day, go to PP, see PP, stay the night, maybe the next day jump on, see Kokradan. Have you been Kokradan? Haven't been there either. That's where they do that's, the underwater weddings, right? That's got to be bucket list stuff. That This is all part of my one day I want to island hop tour and do that like so if people were doing that on on your speed boats will the boat stay with them on yeah, that journey so it's like we did a lot of this in the last few years where it's kind of like a group uh, like maybe three or four families join together they book a boat for like five days and they're like we just want to see the best of what's to happen and we don't even book hotels you know it's like on the way to halfway through the day we're like oh this is where we're going to end up so then we're calling ahead finding hotels and like, that's the coolest experience it's like no plan, you know, like travel's meant to be free, you know, it's like the whole concept is like free yourself from the concept of going to work and having a schedule and following, you know, it's like, let's just break free and travel free, you know, like, and that's, that's what we love, you know, that's as a tour company, it's like, you know, the bread and butter of a tour company is PP, James Bond, these yeah. day trips, but the stuff that we really live for is like when a customer comes and is like, here's five days of our time just make it the most amazing five days you possibly can. And that's like, that's what we did a lot of the last few years, man. That was, that was the stuff I loved. It's like, let's go and find Kobuk, you know, let's go in Emerald Cave. Let's go stay at Kokradan, which has got these kind of cool, funky beach bungalows with nobody else on it. You know, you want an island party? Well, there's only five beach bungalows on that island. Like, it's like a private island mm -hmm. at nighttime, and it's got this amazing, you know, you put a big, fire on the beach you're barbecuing it's like that that's the stuff you take home to the memory memory bank like that's yeah. the experience that lasts you know? that though that's the image of thailand Copenhagen, like 20 30 years ago yeah that's what it is so let's say we have five days let's let's just i i guess we'll use this for clips and reels we'll call this the 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 island tour the five-day tour of jumping off at, at uh, boat lagoon pier and can you hop us all the way down to Lipe and all the islands we're going to stop at? Yeah, so I think, you know, day one's PP, day two, stay Lanta. When you're at Lanta, see Kokradan, Komuk, Konai. Day three, hop down to Kolipe uh, while you're there. Kolipe's got three really great snorkeling routes, three day tour great snorkeling routes. So maybe you want to do a day or two at Lipe. Um, then from Lipe, hop back to Korok, Koha then hop back to Phuket. You know, that's a nice five-day itinerary. Um, so you're staying like a night in PP, a night, night in Lanta. Night PP, night Lanta, uh, two nights Kolipe, and then hop back to Phuket last night. And then kind of do the uh, Koha on the way back. And yeah, do Koha and Rock on the way back. Yeah, because people, they need to, if you hop on the boat, let's say, uh, again, at Boat Lagoon, and you just take a speedboat to Lipe. I'm assuming that's eight hours? Four and a half. Four oh, it's only half. four and a half. Yeah, she's a four and a half. Oh, okay. I, I really thought it was about eight hours. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like that. Like the first time I, I ever went to Kolipe, and this is the, the secrets behind tour companies building routes. We're all on, like, it's just my staff on the boat with me. We're like, we're going to go and explore Kolipe. This was like 
when you couldn't travel outside of Thailand. So it's like, we want to go and see some new routes. So we do these concepts in our company where we, we book the boats and the crew out, but we're no customers. And it's like, we're going to go and find new places to go and explore. So I was like, I found Colipe on a map and I'm like, we're going to go there. And the captains are like, we've never been there. Don't know where we're going to go, how we do it. So we've got all this fuel on board. We've got like a, 1,800 litres of fuel on the boat because we don't know how much fuel it's going to take. Yeah. You know, where you're going to stop, where you're going to find fuel. So it's like, we're heading to Colipe and I'm using like a Google map to get there because none of us knew where it was. It's like generally this direction. It's like, we didn't even know what Colipe looked like. You know, like this is the very first time. How, how long ago was that? Ah, uh, that was, I think that was three years ago. It was my first trip to Colipe. Okay. And getting there, like once you're there, like going in over the, because Colipe, in high tide, you can get to the beach. In low tide, you need a long tail boat or... Yeah, because the boats, when, again, I, 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 I took the speedboat over, over and it actually has to stop and they transfer you onto the long tail. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we were like going there and we were lucky we hit high tide because we hadn't learned any of this, you know. We were lucky and we're cruising in and you're like over the coral and you're like, this is like what Thailand's like. Like this is like what it was... When you see the pictures, like the experience that I was having, it was like, that's what it's like. And so then we were there, it's like we were we were like, how do we get a supply line in the middle of the sea? You know, like how do we get fuel delivered to us? How do we get supplies delivered to us? And that was the coolest, that was the funnest period of time, building these routes and building supply lines. And now it's like because we've done all that, it's like when we go to Colipe, we like we know how to get a supply boat to bring us fuel. We know how to pick up uh, fuel in Komuk, Korok, Koha. It's like all of this we've built supply lines now, and it's like that that there has created an ability. It's like People come to me and it's like, how far you can go? It's like, as far as you can dream, we can go now. You know, like, because we can do that. And, you know, we've even got supply lines in Similan and Surin. You want to go stay a night in Surin? We can do that now. You know, like, that was, that's why, like, that's why I'm trying to come up this concept. Like, you know, we our bread and butter is day tours. But we really want people to kind of expand their horizon past that and just think about my tour to Phuket is maybe three days in Phuket. I'm done Phuket. Now I'm going to jump off and I'm going to go and just live this experience. Yeah, to be honest, like, just spend no time in Phuket. I mean, <laughs> un unless you're going to live here. I mean, it, it's great to stay on Surin Beach where we are. Um, I mean, Patong's a seed hole. Uh, I mean, you got your restaurants up here in Bona Avenue. That's great. But if I was a tourist, um, people... That's a question for you, right? If mm. you're a family, you got kids. Patong. Well, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't get it, man. Like, I get, I, I get I, that a lot. It's like uh, we're a family of six, got four kids. We're staying in Batong. We'd like to go on a boat tour. I'm like, who advised you to go to Batong? Google like, and SEO. Like that is that is not the place to it's, go. It's everybody that comes to Phuket the first time they always go to Batong. The first time I ever came to Phuket, you go to Batong because it just looks busy and that's the place to go and that's where that's where you know you won't get bored. So where's the family place to go then? Like, I would you, say but like this area, Surin, yeah. like it would be the best. I mean, it depends if you're Russian, sure, go to Quran or Kata. It, it, you're you're going to find like, you know, these different pockets around the island. But Phuket, it, it's a jump off. And, and most, the Brazilians do it right. So all, all the Brazilians that come here, they fly and they stay one night. They get blackout drunk in, in Patong and they barely catch the ferry to PP. And then they just stay in PP. If, if you're coming, that's one way to do it. But um, if you're looking to kind of island hop, the, yeah, the speedboat way is interesting because it at least, you don't have to go by land. Like if I'm in 
Phuket and I want to go to Krabi, taking a car actually doesn't make any sense because you're going to go to Rally and you don't need the car there anyways. Um, but if you want to just island hop, yeah, you're going to want to go PP, Rally, Koha, Komuk, Kokordan, Kolipe. And this way, you know, you, you, you don't have to deal with that headache of, okay, do I get the motorbike? Am I going to get run over on the road? Is it going to rain? Like, it's, it's just, it's much uh, simpler. However, yeah, of course, like, there's no lie. The price is completely different. But if you have the budget for it, um, it's going to be way less of a headache to do it that way with a family than if you were to kind of take the ferry and jump around and get off the island and try to find hotel. I think the process would be a lot smoother. Yeah, and I think and it's also a th in in my imagination, it's what a holiday is about. Like yeah. it's less structured, it's more kind of relaxed, and it's just building these memories that you could just you can't delete. You know? Do like, you guys stop at rally and let people go there for a night? You're, yeah, you're saying more stopping at like Atlanta and then. Um. So, I I I I like Atlanta because I think it's a little bit less known, a little bit more relaxed, less people. Rayleigh kind of. Mid December through kind of February gets busy, you know. Like you and I get to yeah. experience really in that kind of quiet period of time, you know. And it's like, it's it's beautiful when there's not a lot of people there, you know. I'm not somebody who wants to go on a holiday. My worst nightmare is to go on a holiday and land on Maya Bay with a thousand people. I'm like, that's 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 stressful. I don't yeah. want to do that. I'm like least amount of people possible, unique experience as much kind of natural environment as i can get that's you know that's what i want you know like my boy he loves universal studios and that's like my worst nightmare to go there it's like so many people and i'm in lines all day it's like it's hard when you live in thailand as well we're and well especially phuket we're really not used to crowds i mean the biggest crowd we're gonna hit is traffic driving around but um I, it's the same when you go to Bang bangkok i find you feel a bit overwhelmed yeah, I can do Bangkok two days maximum, oh, two days, and I got to get out of there. It's uh, too many people. I, I I don't go anywhere. I'm done with it. It's it's I'm over. Um, are there any like hidden islands? Like anyone can pull up a map, and you're gonna see Komok, you're gonna see Kokardan, you're gonna see Kolipe. Are there any hidden supply lines or islands between them that if you really zoomed in, there's like, you know, some guy living in a. There's a lot of them up in in uh, Pangna Bay, but when you go that area, are there any islands? Like Kolabong. Have you been there? No. No, yeah, but I've heard cool. of it. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and there's accommodation on these places? Not five star. No, but, but yeah, I mean... You know, it's it's got stuff Like a there. guest house. Or yeah, like Konai. No, people don't know this one. She's beautiful. That's a beautiful island, Konai. Where's that at? It's like halfway between Kokradan and Komuk. Okay. Uh, and it's got, I think, one of the better snorkeling experiences. And because it's not very well known, you know, then you're up towards Kolipa, you've got Koadang. Yep. You know, like, the, I think, you know, the, the, the big thing to, to, to think about is, like, think about where everybody is going and then decide you're not going to go there because then that opens up so much more space for you, for where you want to go, you know? Like, people like say to me, I want to go to Russia, yay. And I'm like, you don't really. You probably actually want to go to Russia, Noi. You know, mm -hmm. Russia, Noi is the nicer place, the better place to go. Like, you can go to Russia, Russia, yay, and in a busy period, you know, three, four, five, six hundred people on it. You can go to Russia, Noi, be the only boat, do a nice little kind of barbecue on the beach, have the whole beach to yourself, have the snorkeling areas to yourself. And I'm like, so what's better? You know, like, which experience do you want? You know, and that's the thing that... I've really spent a lot of time at, you know, like that's one of the things that we're doing a lot of now. We do a lot of barbecues on beaches because we just want to get away from the restaurants. We want to get away from the crowds. We want to find a 
you know, like how cool is it you put the boat out and it doesn't have like a, I talk about an anchor point, right? Like an anchor point being lunch, right? Well, I got to find somewhere on PP Don to go and have a restaurant so that my customers can have lunch. Well, let's break the anchor point, put the barbecue on the boat and let's put some fishing rods on. Whatever you catch, we're going to barbecue. If you don't, we've got some backup food on the boat. And now that becomes like this unique experience. Like my boy's nine. He's a, he's a free diver. I don't know if I'm allowed to even say this. I'll probably get hate letter for it. <laughs> but he is a, he's a spear fisherman. Yeah. He loves it, right? So his ideal Sunday is he just books a boat, doesn't know where it's going to go. He gets on it. My crew go with him and off he goes. No food or anything. And it's like what you catch, you eat. And it's like, I'm like, you got the coolest life, bro. Like on a Sunday, it's like he's just out. And what like, kind of fish is he? What do you be catching out there? Um, yeah, you're going to have to ask him that, man. You okay. should get him on. He knows all this stuff and I don't. <laughs> like, don't not go fishing with me. I can't catch a thing. Yeah. But he's got to that point now, like with, his, with, with my wife, his mom. He's like, before he goes Sunday morning, he's like, Mom, I'm going to want you to cook Tom Yum tonight because I'm going to go and catch this very specific fish, which is amazing in Tom Yum. Or he'll be like, Mom, I want you to do fried fish tonight. So I'm going to go. And, and he'll just spend hours there just like waiting for the right fish to come so he can shoot it, grab it, take it home. You know, when he started out fishing, like when he was six, and he wasn't spear fishing at six, he was like, how many fish can I catch? That's the game. Now it's like, how can I catch the perfect fish for the meal that I want to have? Mm. And I'm like, that's, that's, if I dreamt of what my Thailand experience was going to be, it would be like going with a kid, going with a guide like him who's like, I want to go and like, everything's just about living off the sea. It's like living that kind of true sea gypsy experience, you know, like that's something that you go home and like that, that's, that, that's a memory that when you die, like that's, that's something that's going to be there, right? Not like, I don't know, does, is Maya Bay going to sit in that memory bank? You know, like, oh, I'm not certain. You know? uh, it depends. In, I mean, uh, the, Chin get a lot the of Chinese are coming back. It's going to be packed as it well. I might get a lot of views on Instagram. Yeah. But I'm not certain that, you know, it's going to be there at the end of the day. You know, it's like, that, is that something that you're going to remember? Most of the time, the experiences I've had in Asia, it's the things you didn't plan and you come across. And like it, nothing was planned. You were out. It could be anywhere. You're on one of these islands. You come across some people that are barbecuing and you end up staying. It's always the things where like you were just going with the flow and something popped up. Yeah, it's like I, I used to a lot go to Koh Nok. That's kind of just off Lem Hart, right? Mm. And the Thai families, they like to go there and do their somtam barbecues. They rock up with their long tail boats, big things. You know, you know, the Thais, they don't do it small, right? Their picnic is huge. And they're like cooking and everything. I'm like, this is... This is what people should want to buy. You know, that's yeah. the true Thailand experience. You know, uh, I think about like recently I, I traveled to the Maldives and I, w I went there and I was invited to go and kind of inspect a private boat tour as like give them some feedback. And I like went out on the boat and like beautiful experience. But when I go home and I tell my family about it, the thing that I talk about with my kids is about the, the we got to this point where there's sharks swimming at the back of the boat. Cool experience. But the, the best, the coolest part was like the captain was so scared of these sharks. He wouldn't go in the water. So it's like my experience is not about the destination. It's about like the people who were on the boat, the people who were leading me. And it's like he was so excited to see these sharks. Like as we're pulling up, he's like, I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim. He's got like Facebook live in with his friends and everything. And then he gets like to go back in the water and he's like, I'm too scared. I don't want to go in. And I'm like, 
I remember that. You know, like that's that's the part. It's not about the where we went. I couldn't even tell you where these sharks were. Like I, I don't even know what island was I was at. But and that's what I'm like. I'm trying to get people to understand. It's less about the destination. It's about the people on the boat. It's about that local experience. Like that's that's the stuff that you take home. You know, like sure when I booked that, it was like the person who sold it to me is like, you're gonna go swim with sharks. You're gonna go and uh, see dolphins. And I'm like booked sold but when i come back i wasn't talking to him about like the dolphins i saw or the sharks i saw i was talking to him about the crew and how much fun we had and like that's that's it like that's again i think like i'm trying to reshape the concept of tourism in phuket around the lazy sale of go see maya bay no it's like like yeah mo- the- most of the i mean if you're coming through patong and people they're always speedboat tours this and that i mean you also have to take into consideration, I mean, I've been here long enough that like, yeah, but who's the captain? What's the condition of the boat? Um, we've all heard the horror stories of what happened happened out there a couple of years ago. And uh, I'm in these groups all the time. They're like, I found this guy. They sell the to, to us so cheap. You know, I, 900 baht, I can go to PP. I'm like, yeah, but like, really? Uh, you know, like I, my concept is like one really good tour is better than two cheap tours like well they'll cram 40 people on the boat that's the so that, a, that's a that's a that's a small number now you anytime know, like, someone uh, you're getting like okay so if you're going from on a speedboat from let's say rasada or sat up here usually okay it's a thousand baht and that that's just to get you there i mean but there's 40 people on that thing so you're talking yeah and that's that's pretty much this is the speedboat you're, and, you're spending and, 30 40 thousand just to get to one destination and that, that company has got a purpose, right? Their purpose is to get you from A to, to B, B yeah. right? So when you buy that, you can only ex- expect an experience of, of A to B. And I'm trying to say to you, like, let's not worry about where B is. Let's worry about the entire experience. Like, buy the experience mm. and don't buy the A to B transfer, you know? Like, and that's, in my experience, that's what I, that's what I w- want, you know? That's what I want my kids to have, yeah. you know? Like, traveling as a family, it's always about... What's my boy going to go home and remember? You know, what is it the highlight of your holiday? And that's what I love reading our reviews. It's like the people are like, oh, well, memorable experience. My kids can't stop talking about it. You know, say hello to guy Jimmy, say this. And it's like, that's that's it. That's 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 what the company should do. Is, on a side, a side note, um, we were talking about Koha. I swear there's another Koha. And this is where I get confused. It's like... It's, it, but it's going to be more up in like Pangna Bay, almost at Krabby. And it's like, it's a little like cove. And it's also co- called Koha. Cause when you pull it up on the map, you see these two and I would get so confused. Do you know what I'm referring to? So I know what you're talking about okay. because there's so many islands in our area that there's probably, so I, I, I learned this when I was starting out in this business, I would say to the captain, I'd say, take me to Shark Point. Right, I want to go snorkel with sharks, and he's like, "So, like, boss, there's eight shark points. Which one would you like to go to today?" And then I'd be like, "Take me to Island Five. And he's like, "You mean Island Five in Pangna, or Island Five in Krabi, or you mean Island Five like out past Pipi? Because Ha means five, right? right. Like, there's a Koha in uh, past Pipi. There's a Koha that's near uh, Kotpoda." There's a Koha that's in Pangna Bay. That's like, the one I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. That's what I mean. It's like in our area, like 
some of the islands also have like multiple names, you know, like we've got the official name, we've got the Google Maps name, we've got the English name, which is translated in eight different ways. So it reads differently every single time. So I think like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like I, there, there is multiple kohas. And I think like in Pangna Bay, if you're talking about... That's the one, yeah, yeah. Talking about places to go see in Pangna Bay, I really love like Lot Roy and Lot Kudu. These are two kind of not on any group tour map right because it's uh, when you buy a group tour that group tour is sold to you all based on the captain following a certain route and they're following a certain route to save fuel yeah. right everything's about fuel usage whereas with us with a private tour it's it's there's no limit that we give to our captains we're like just go you know yeah. like enjoy it and that's why i'm like the co uh co Roy has got this like beautiful cave that you swim through. You come out on the other side. It's got mangroves everywhere. It's got the 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 fruit bats up in the trees. It's beautiful. It's like this weird once in a lifetime experience that you could never get if you buy group tour. Yeah, and these caves once you get up there, they're they're amazing. I mean, you see cave paintings. I heard there's some of them are like thirty thousand years old. Yeah, like yeah. you can see it's it's yeah. It looks like you know um, like. Uh, Cave people, essentially, yeah, from like way, way back, way, not way before, like not like the Viking cave era of like five hundred years ago. You're talking thirty thousand years ago. Yeah, and I think like that, that's one of the reasons why for us we have a lot of captains and guides and stuff who knock on our door looking for work because they're sick of driving a set route. They're like, I'm yeah. so bored of going to the same places every day, and I'm like, well, with us, it's like I I kind of refer to my business as like a chessboard. It's like Every day, the, the pieces move in different directions and different to because the tour is never the same. You know, like so I have customers who come come to me. They're like, I want to do the exact tour that he did. I'm like, we don't like that tour was done on that day in that very specific condition. Yeah. On so today, today we can do something similar, but certainly not exact because well, I guess it's similar if you're running, I don't know, some sort of safari or something like. Maybe the lions aren't out today, or uh, you get it now, yeah, right? Like yeah. that, and that I'm trying to break that yeah, model of yeah. like you know, it's like stop ones, Maya yeah. Bay, stop twos, Pillay Lagoon, stop threes, lunch, stop fours, Monkey Beach, stop fives. What, Kai what, uh, what, oh, speaking of, what do you think of Monkey Beach? Because I, I have my reserves against that fucking <laughs> lunatic place. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm, I'm scared of monkeys, so. right? I mean, and these people, those monkeys are they're vicious. Yeah. I mean, you. you I, I, well, I heard the one story like five years ago, and I told this on the podcast when Pim was here, that there was like a, an issue where the alpha was killed at Monkey Beach, the one right outside of CoPP uh, when you're coming in. I guess that's PP so, Lake. Uh, this is where my fear comes from, right? I started my uh, – we're now in Boat Lagoon, but I started my business in a smaller pier called Bangrong. You've been there, yeah. right? Monkey Mafia everywhere. Like that, that entire pier is run by monkeys. So I used to drive in the morning – into the pier 5 a.m. and there's this big ass monkey like big he's not scared of you like you drive at him and he's just sitting there and so you have to stop right and you're like so uh, how do i get to my boat today sir monkey you know like and he was vicious man he had like big teeth and he would like attack you and i'm like that I have a very good fear of of monkeys. That's why a monkey like, will rip your arm off if they get a hold of you. There's no <laughs> those things are so strong. I remember they were trying to catch him to tag him, like like trying to catch the alpha to tag him. And I'm like, 
No way. Like, like th- that dude is smarter than you. Like, that monkey knows that you're after him. Yeah. And he's like the alpha, you know? He's like... So what is he waiting for you to throw him some food so he moves? Yeah. Yeah, we'd have yeah. to throw him like a, a can of Coke, you know, like or some, some fruit or something like for him well, to move. Well, what happens if you just start rolling slowly? He's not going to move. Uh, he doesn't move. And he just gets hit? That he does not okay, care, so that, man. That's the that, there you go. Sorry, bud. It's over. He's like, man. It's like you know, you, you and like you would like in Bangrong. They have the, those walk, those boardwalks that would take you down to the restaurant. You could not walk if he decided that was his home for a few hours. Like he was vicious. Is, are they still there? Or? Yeah, man. I, I never saw there. them because I jumped. So Ban Rong, I used that uh, it's a, a jump off to Ko Yao Noi, yeah, yeah, Ko, Ko Yao Yai. Yeah, it's the transfer point Tran- for Yao yeah. Yai. And Yao I, I was on that once on a speedboat just doing the transfer and the water was vicious to the point where like I thought I was going to die. And it's funny watching these Thai kids on it. They're standing, they're holding, they don't give a shit. And the water was just up and down, but it was really choppy. And yeah, it was 30 minutes, but it was horrible. Um those islands there now, Koyao Noi, it's less developed. I probably was there four years ago, but when I was there, they were pretty much like building the road out. Have you seen what's going on there? Is it fully developed now? Nah, Yao Noi is still, I think Yao Noi is about 10 years behind Phuket in terms of development. And that's a good thing. Like, that's not a well, bad the, thing. Well, Yao Yai, it's huge. It's a big island. Yao Yai is getting big now yeah yeah it's just got a new anantara put on it okay um and so it's kind of going phuket way i think five years yeah yeah is going to be as developed as phuket why do you think the development on these islands is so slow the thai landowners are holding out man like they're that i don't know man like thai landowners they don't like to get rid of their land they like to pass it generation to generation generation you know because Yao Yai, I, I got there once. We were going to spend the weekend, and we got there at 6 p.m., and I think I left the next day at lunch because I was like, there's nothing to do. We, we ended up at a, a Chinese resort, and I speak Chinese, so we just got blackout drunk with Chinese locals. There's a lot of hidden resorts there that are for Koreans or Chinese, and I'm telling you, you roll up into one of those, and you speak a little Chinese, you're going to have a blast. But um, that island in general, like there, we tried I, to go out. I at know night. the exact resort you're oh, going yeah, to <laughs> as well. Like that resort used to have a big kind of Chinese buffet area. Is it open then, still? Then out into like a big stage. Oh, there's no the stage. Yes. yes. So the Chinese guys were up there. They were doing karaoke. Two Chinese <laughs> guys were black. One guy was singing a song and puking mid song and going back to it. And um, I'm assuming because China can't come in, those are probably completely closed. They're shut, man. Yeah, they yeah, have to be yeah, shut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and need big money to get them back open again. I mean, they're huge resorts, right? Yeah, so it, there's not much to do on Yao Yai besides kind of stay in a, a... And to be honest, there wasn't even much to see. Like, there's not waterfalls. I think I was talking to a customer the other day, and they said, why would I go to Yao Yai? And I'm like, if you're looking to retreat from the world, you know, you yeah. just want to go and stay in a nice resort for a couple of days and really just do nothing. Because like, there's no beach there. It's all uh, that low tide. Yeah, low tide's nothing and there's no snorkeling. It's not It's not like it's It's go to get a break from the digital world. That's a good digital detox place, you know, like that's what you want to do. But it's certainly not an island where you're going to go and swim off the beach and snorkel and stuff. No. And it's a little bit more once you get out once you break outside of the resort, it's more local style, you know. 
Yeah, and and uh, these islands, like nothing again, they're very mu- Muslim run. So it's like you're you'll you'll if you're there and you want to have a beer, like it's you can't just go bar or sorry restaurant to restaurant and no. relax in that sense. It's you pretty like you said, you gotta you find your hotel. There's great five star hotels out there. I think six cents cents is it? Six cents is at Yelnoy, and then at Yel Yai you got Santia. Yeah, I love Santia. It's got a beautiful view straight over the bay. It's a are those the view. ones at the south on the cliff? Yes. Yeah, I, I, we went out there, and we, I got there, and then there's apparently there's a hike there, but it was too late. The guy's like, no, if you go that way, you're gone for like four hours <laughs> type of thing. And it was on the back entrance because I think, though, like Sixth Sense, like you can only get in by boat. Yes. Right? Yes. So we got in. Uh, I took the motorbike and was pretty much at the security at the back end. And they were like, I, and apparently those places, they used to have a lot of cliff jumping back in the day too. And they, they kind of shut that down too. Yeah. Well, that area was where the Red Bull cliff jumping used to happen. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, just, just off six senses out in low Latin. That's where it, that's can where you do still it. do that? Or I get asked that a lot. People are like, where can I go cliff jumping? I'm like, national park is, is kind of cracked down. They on cracked that. down. Yeah, right? They're, you know, it's, it's difficult. I, I think they don't want the risk associated with it, you know, like, there's rock climbing in in Rayleigh, and maybe there's uh, there's the what's next to Rayleigh, the uh, little beach uh, there. Tonsai. Tonsai. They they yeah. still do. They do the base jump. Yeah, boot base jumping there. Yeah, I, I love Tonsai at sunset. The base jumping happening, the whole Tonsai vibe going on. I was there again randomly. I just like I'll go that way, and I'll um I was just, I want to go check out Tonsai, and it was like three or four p.m. I ended up staying there, having some drinks, eating, met random people there. They were doing the base jumping, and then I was too lazy to go back home. I'm like, I'll just get a hotel room, and I stayed the night. Oh, I think my, my first experience of Tonsai was going to that, that bar where they got their whole kind of laid-back outside sitting. and Right on the front, or yeah. did you go over the wall? So, I, I firstly, I was right at the front. I did the wall after, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in the evening, but the front is like kind of sitting there. And then it's like they're, they're base jumping. You've got kind of aerial ac- uh, uh, yoga at the same time, whatever they call that. It's all going on. It's like, this is like a cool vibe. This is a vibey place. It's but really now nice. it's, I was there two months ago. And then I, I hopped. Have you been there recently? No. Okay, so I hopped the wall. And then, because um, now the this used to be wall, the mu- mushroom planet of the world. Like it was mental. But you hop the wall and then they had all the bars and the restaurants, right? What's the go with the wall? If you um, had anyone explain to you, okay, so it wall. was the wall was that all that land there was supposed to be a resort, so the wall was blocking it off because they were building a resort, and then uh, in Thailand, money didn't come through, and they just finished the wall. That was it. So did, that did you wall, add any hate speech to the wall? Do you, I love reading I, that I don't wall, know, man. I, I I I never no, I don't think I've read it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, the locals were probably pissed off, but then they just put like a, a like a bamboo ladder on it, yes. and everyone's going back and forth. <laughs> There's tons of vicious monkeys there, and not uh, they have gibbons there. Yes, and those ones scare the shit. They're huge. I mean, a gibbon is pff, rip your arm off. So I, I hopped the wall. Tongsai is an experience. Huh? I love Tongsai, but it's devastating. It looks like a tornado ripped through it. So I hop. We hopped the wall two months ago. Went over, and I just wanted to see. Ah, oh, the restaurants are there. Because this is what happens when the sea ward ripped through here like a, a, a tornado. That whole bar stri- street just... It's all gone, man. All gone. Really? Not a single thing on there because they did the whatever you could... The metal scrapping. I thought that Tonsai would survive. Got it. Because it was like... Got it. It's kind of like a black hole. Like some people go to Tonsai and never come out of it. It's like they're there for years. It looks like... 
Yeah, it looks like a tornado ripped through it. Because so what's cool about that? that I, I'm sure. How quick can they rebuild that in high season? They could probably demolish it, throw up some. They, I bet you it's being rebuilt right now. Oh, um, I always thought Tonsai was kind of protected from that kind of concept. No, they they were. I think a lot of the people that probably live there and running bars, they're actually, their homes are probably on the mainland. I, I always said to my wife, if the world ever ends, I'm going to just move to Tonsai. Like, <laughs> it, did, it did not survive. <laughs> that's, so, I always thought that was the last safe haven no, to go and hide behind that no, wall and just have your own kind of little village life. Did not, did not survive. But it, it's cool that side and, and anyone that heads over to Tonsai and you go past the wall and you go past all the bars that are, ah, they're probably coming back now. If you follow that path and it um you're gonna look at this path and it looks like a road you can take that path through the jungle it's about 25 to 30 minute hike oh, you went up the other side right and guess where that takes you right back into rally really yes so i did the hike bring mosquito spray my girlfriend was losing her mind um just follow it don't leave the path. It will come back around, and it brings you pretty much. I I can't explain. So have you it. done the Dragon's Crest height there? I have. Yeah, I did that. That one. You like that? I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> Put it that way. The first hour until you know when you got to get to like the the stairs, and it's kind of a ladder. You basically go up to that point, and there is pretty intense because I think what you're actually walking through is a river stream, yes. right? Because you see all the rocks, and it's not easy. And it's pretty much like that. But once you get up to the top, it levels out, right? So you've done you've done the Tonsai hike, Dragon's Crest. Have you done the... I've done the Lagoon. Have you done the PP hike where you hike yep. from uh, yeah. uh, Camel, Ro uh, Camel Rock, Al Nui Bay, all the way over to yeah. Sai PP? Yeah, and then I take the, I'll take the long tail back. I, I didn't know that you were a hiker. Oh, I'm a hiker, bud. There, you know what's a good hike over here in Camilla? Um you okay so you know when you're going to let's say cafe d'omar yes. and before that there's always a lady you got about two minutes left anyways um there's a lady on the left and it looks like she's selling the beans yes and there's a trail right there if you enter that trail and just keep going and you won't get lost there's a couple ridgeback dogs that will take your head off and <laughs> Even, you know, the dogs where you pick up the rock, you're like that. These ones don't give a shit. They're like, oh, yeah. Luckily, they're tied up. So don't get... At first, I was like, are we sure we should do this? Follow that trail. It goes all the way through the jungle. You'll meet jungle people in there, living in there. And you'll come up around... takes about, I would say, two hours. And you'll get up to the very top of this this uh, the mountain on the Camilla side. And you're going to end up way behind the Intercontinental. Way up at the top. And at the top, there's these two lakes. Go early so you can further discover up there. It's amazing. The forestry changes, the plantation changes, and they have two lakes. I think they're old tin mines or something. And what's nice is when you get out of there, instead of doing two hours back, there's like this industrial road that you can just, instead of, you know, mountain climbing, it's just, it's 10 minutes down like that. And you can take that right down and you'll come out the back of... Um, you'll come out the back of Intercontinental. Yep. So there's two ways you can do it. Because I, I live at Surin, it's, I just walk to it. It's okay. And then I do the hike and then come out there and I'll take a tuk-tuk back because you're, you're destroyed. That's about four hours. Um, or you just, you would take your motorbike to where the uh, lady is parked selling the beans. Park there. Come finish. Now you could hike back up or if you're too lazy, just grab a tuk-tuk. He'll rip you right back up there. But it's a really nice hike as well. 
but I I haven't been recently, and with all the landslides, <laughs> who knows? Your um, likes. We'll 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 end. Oh, you got to get going. So we're gonna end that on on this note. Um, if you watch the first podcast we did, we said what episode ten. You'll learn more about Sean, how he came to Bouquet, why he's doing five star marine. Um, but specifically, we're talking about now. This is kind of pre. No, this would have been during kind of the the beginning of the situation and uh, talking about the life bags and saving Phuket and what he did specifically there. And just before we end this, we had huge floods in Phuket and that kind of was why I was bringing that up because if you drive to uh, Kamala, that hike, I don't know if I would trust it yet because those mountains are, they're destroyed. Can you talk a little bit about what you did, why and why you did it and especially what happened with the floods in Phuket and then we'll, we'll kind of end it from there. Yeah, so... Uh Flash flooding hit us after two days of really heavy rain. Um, a lot of the residential areas were kind of waist deep in water. Um, and as for us, like just looking at the locals and seeing that they needed help, we just kind of reactivated the same system that we had from that uh, period of time we don't talk about. Um, so we just started delivering food, cooking food, life bags, getting them back into their homes. You know, phase one was always about crisis response, getting them out of the waters, getting medical supplies to them. You know, this is the things you don't think about. When you're living in water for a couple of days, fungus comes out, skin conditions, uh, people start getting... Look, yeah, I, got, I, I stepped in some of that water by Beach Pig the other day, and I got this ridiculous rash on my foot in two seconds. Yeah, so mm -hmm. this, we, this is what we're dealing with. So we're just trying to... And, like, the tires, some of them, they just didn't want to leave the home, you know? Like, I went into the floodwaters first day, and people are sleeping on windowsills. You know, that's like they're in their home sleeping on their windowsill because they don't want to leave the home. You know, that's it. That, that, that's their house. I saw a lady, she was like on a, on a hospital bed, like obviously towards the end of her life. And I'm like, we should evacuate you. And she's like, no, this is my home. Which yeah. area was hit the hardest? I think the worst was Samkong. Samkong. Where, where is that? Uh, kind of Phuket town, Rosada area. It, it has the, the natural lay of Phuket as it kind of all rolls downhill to Samkong. And Sam Kong was in water uh, seven days. So I went there second day of flood, and they were uh, what we thought was second day of flood. They were in day four, right, four days. And this is when the Navy came in and started to pump all the water out and start to use boats to take. Like, we were using jet skis to get around their area. That's, like, how deep the water is. So, you know, like, in our area, we're a little bit lucky. Like, Pasak got hit pretty hard, and so did Chantelay, but nothing like down there, man. Like, you, you want to see a flood and how they live in the flood, you've got to go down to that area. And so kind of for us as a business and our foundation, we just kind of reactivated everything that we had. We went to our volunteers and said, we need help. Got to start packing, cooking, start collecting. So then we set up nine distribution points on the island with the support of all the hotels. And this is the greatest thing. This is why I love Phuket, man. This is why I'm going to stay Phuket the rest of my life. I think is like Phuket in its worst is at its best. You know, like when there's a disaster Everybody in Phuket just drops everything that they're possibly doing and says, let's help everybody. And that's what I loved during this kind of flood is like you saw the expats combined with the Thais, the government go with the NGOs, the army, the police, and everybody's just trying to help. And that's what I love, man. That's like I love my business, but I don't get the same fulfillment out of my business as I do when I do this kind of work. So, so wh what, what was the outcome? Like, are they able to get back? to normal so or, or do they, are, the a, are their homes just completely destroyed now? So we had a hundred uh, communities affected about 4,000 families. Uh, we're now what, two weeks past it. 
we're still sitting at about 370 families that we can't get back into their homes. Um, either too much damage. Uh, the big thing is like we've got to get them back into their homes, but we've got to get them being self-sufficient again. Like we need them to cook. You know, like that's the first step. It's like, okay, during crisis response, we cook and give you hot food, right? But once the crisis goes, the most urgent need is to get you to start taking care of yourself. You know, do you have a bed? Do you have uh, electricity or gas so that we can get you cooking? Do you have supplies that you can cook? Because it's not like this bad thing that we don't want to cook for you. Of course, we want to we help you. But, like, the, the quicker we can get you self-sufficient, like, we, that's what we need, you know, like... I did this whole mobility project on Phuket and people are like, why are, you, why are you getting people mobile? Like, here's the crazy part about economics and how it works in, 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 West, in, in Asian world, right? Like, if you're Thai, you're sick, you're immobile, that takes two people out of the family generally to take care of you because the Thai healthcare system can't take care of you. Like, once physically there's nothing they can do for you in the hospital, they discharge you. It's like, okay, well, you've got broken legs, off you go, go home. And so then that normally means uh, two people are taken out to take care of you. So then maybe that's uh, a mum and a kid. So now I've got a kid out of school and a mum out of work taking care of one person. So the big thing about self-sufficiency is like we want to make that one person self-sufficient so that those two people can go back to work. And so like post-flood response, our goal is to get you self-sufficient so that A, you can start taking care of yourself, B, then you can start taking care of the people around you and C, you can get back to work. So now we're kind of looking at about three to 400 families that are not self-sufficient yet, like too much water damage to the houses that we can't get them back in. It's not safe. There's no power supply. There's no running water. The running water's compromised. Like that's part of the thing that a lot of us don't think about is like, okay, we're flooded. Well, what's in the flood water? You know, like, have we hit sewage supply? Like, it's a sewage supply now in the flood water, and then is the flood water then contaminated the drinking water? And these are the things that we need to start thinking about. And this, like, Sam Kong was hit, hit the worst. The so do, do, do you see that turning around quickly, or is there still a, a lot of work I to do? I think, like, uh, I was asked this the other day, how long do we think we're in phase two? Phase two is getting people back in their homes. I think we're two more weeks in phase two. We've got to fix the water supply. And that's if it doesn't continue raining. That's if it stopped raining. Like it, my thing was once it stopped raining, we've got five days left of crisis response, right? That's cooking food, providing for people, cleaning things up, and then trying to get them back into their homes. That's crisis response. And then phase two, which is kind of self-sufficient response, that's generally like a six-week to eight-week plan. Like one of the great things about the, the, the period of time we don't talk about is that we build these plans. You know, we start having these responses. You have these protocols in place yes, now, so it's, yeah. it's turnkey. And that's, that's, that's the thing, man. That's what I loved about, like, I, the flood was devastating, but what I loved is, like, the, the phone call network started. Like, the first day the floods come, the government calls us because they know that we have connections and, and networks and the expats. They're like, the expats, we would love if they could help with this. And they're like, our project was cooked food and bedding. It's like, well, that then alleviates them to think about, okay, we're going to pump the water out. We've got to get infrastructure experts in. Like, if they don't have to think about that, that kind of frees them up. So, and that's 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 the, the relationships now that we have on the island where it's like, we say to them, like, Tell us the problem that you want us to solve and we'll solve that problem, which will free you up to solve a different problem. You know, like they're trying to solve, uh, I don't know if you've seen it in Phuket now, but uh, they're building that new Patong Road. Yeah. Yeah. That's on private land. So the government can't build it. 
the, not not the one that collapsed. So they're building a brand new road. Yeah. So the collapsed road, they're going to try and fix, and like let's say best case scenario, a couple of months to fix it. But yeah. yeah. That's best case scenario, right? So the alternative is they're opening up another road, a, a Patong to Shillong Road. But guess what? That's all private land. Government can't. Develop. Where would that go through? Like Patong Bay Hill area? Yeah. So it's again, it used to be a dirt dirt path that was uh, kind of the locals would know about it to get away from the traffic, right? And so all these uh, businesses in Patong combined together, pulled all their, f- their funds together and created this uh, development fund where they're going to build the road. And I'm like, that, I love that, man. That, how cool is that? Like that's, that's innovative, collective, working together work. And uh, I didn't even know that it was funded by, by businesses. I thought like on the outside, I'm like, this is a government project, government funding, government project. But as you dig deeper, uh, it's not. It's 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 privately owned land. The development is funded by private businesses, and they're building this private road to fix this public problem. You know, and how, how long is that going to take? Or two weeks, and it's done. Two weeks. Yeah, and they did that as a response to this hill. Yeah. Do you know the location or is that going to be kind of for them? Like it won't be for the public. No, they're going to open it publicly and donate. The, the, the end process, once it's all built, is they'll donate the land back to the, where, to the crown. Where, where would the entrance be? Oh, man, it's I, I got to. I got to assume it's got to be before you go up and towards Quran like that. But the, how, how cool is that at the end yeah. of that? Like we're now going to have four access roads to Patong, you know, and, and that's what I love. That's what the thing that I say to you, why I'm never going to leave Phuket is because like that. That is like, could you imagine that in a Western world? Like, you got to get the landowner, the businesses, the development companies all to agree. Oh, it'd take 10 years. Uh, and they got to all to agree to do it in the space of like crisis response mode, which is three days. Yeah. And, you know, you and I both know right now the traffic in Phuket is horrific because that right road here. Is, it's, oh, gosh. I mean, right now, uh, we haven't been in the car, but um, here we'll wrap this up once. Uh, like, Right when you come out the door here, pretty much like right to Boat Avenue, right to the highway. It's jammed because everyone that is in Batong trying to get to Central has to go all the way around the and island. And then you have a cruise ship coming with 5,000 people trying to get off for a day trip. Jesus. So this is the, this road is so crucial, oh, man. Cool. But that's that's the great part of Phuket. Phuket. When Phuket is down, she, she they, they rally, you know. They, they're, they're together. And I, yeah, same as I'm the same as you. I'm from Australia. You know, that's a that's a 20 year project in Australia with 30 levels of government approval. And I'm like, yeah. that was just done. And 10 times it gets squashed. And yeah, it's just never going to happen. Um, okay, Sean's got to run. He's got some stuff to do as well, and so do we. Um, what we'll do is I, I'm just going to kick it back to Sean, and if you can kind of let everyone also know if if they're looking to donate or or be a part of those projects as well um let them know on this camera how people can find you for that information and how they can get in touch yeah sure like if you're looking to help phuket and you know christ response all that kind of stuff it's livingwaterspuket.com that's our uh foundation here it's 100 percent registered we're registered here in phuket and we're also registered in uh the u.s as well so u.s donors can get tax deductions as well and that also gives us a higher level of audit compliance as well you're looking to get out on a boat obviously Five Star Marine. Yeah, don't we'll, we'll be plugging and shilling the shit out of that. So yeah, I think Brendan's going to get a tattoo. That was in the contract. Yeah, right? I don't. I, did you add that to the fine print? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I think it's. I think I changed my name to Hans anyway. So Hans <laughs> is getting that tattoo. Um. All right, that wraps up another episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and more importantly, share. Leave some comments. Let us know your thoughts on what's going on in, in um 
uh, in Patong, especially uh, like with this traffic and, you know, getting around. But more importantly, for anyone that is a local on the island, just leave in the co comments for these tourists coming in. Uh, I love you. I hate you, tourists, you know, but we got to survive. And let us know what your thoughts are around Phuket, uh, Thailand, Krabby, PP. Where have you been? What do you love? And uh, smash the subscribe again. All right, we're out. <laughs>